0: On this special episode, we focus on knowing our fear. Fear is one of the most incapacitating emotions that can creep into the heart of a warrior during hyperviolent confrontations. Our special guest today is world renowned self defense expert Tony Blauer. Tony continues to teach the military, law enforcement, and vetted civilians throughout the globe. Tony is articulate, dynamic, and does not pull any punches. His knowledge about human physiology, physicality and mindset is absolutely astounding don't miss this dynamic thought-provoking episode where you're going to learn about mindset self-defense skills courage confidence fear and we're also going to dive deep into the parkland active shooter incident stand by Rise up, a warrior, my brothers. Welcome back to the Man of War podcast. My name is Rafa Conde, and I am your host. Listen up. I dig this new music, this new intro music, nice riff guitar with a little bit of funk beat. I'm hoping that you're enjoying it also, that we needed a little bit new blood pumped into the uh, podcast, getting some, some of that new vibe going on. All right, so before we get rolling, if you have not done so already, please go to iTunes. leave us a review you know how important it is for us i don't have to go over every single time but it would mean a lot also uh my new instagram account is at man of war with two r's we're building it little by little we're building it and it's looking very very good i'm very immersive uh with my uh tribe there you know we communicate we have a good time And I'm going to be even more involved over the next couple of weeks when I'm going to be doing some live videos and stuff like that. So I hope that you can hop on there and give me a follow. Also, all right, do yourself a big favor. Stop by the Online Warrior Development Academy. You're not going to regret it. See why hundreds of warrior-minded men just like yourself are transforming their lives. They're learning new tactics, techniques, strategies, and they're increasing their mindset, right? They're strengthening that mindset. So important. Uh, Go check it out at ForgingAWarrior.com. Also, just to answer a few emails here regarding the manual, yes, the warrior manual is still available for free, all right, and I would recommend that if you have not done so, go grab yourself a free manual. It is ForgingAWarrior.com forward slash manual, absolutely for free, no strings attached, nothing like that. Um, it's for free it's about 14 i think 14 or 16 pages long Uh, it gives you eight strategies okay for optimum performance and gives you these strategies broken down man and it's uh some good stuff no bullshit all right uh without further ado here i don't want to waste any more time we are going to jump right into the meat of this podcast tony blauer is awesome this guy knows what he's talking about Um, You're going to love it. Very dynamic interview. And there's a lot said. So what I would recommend, man, is go out there, get yourself a pen or a paper. If you're in the car, I would definitely go back to this because there's so many notes you can take here so you can implement into your daily life. All right. Without further ado, let's jump right into this. Tony Blauer, my friend, welcome to the Man of War podcast, man. It is an honor to have you on.
1: Thank you. I'm I'm actually kind of excited to be on the show. Awesome, man. It's, uh, and, and, I, and I just say that because I um, uh, I started interviewing people on my own podcast called No Fear, and I find it incredibly difficult. <laughs> and, and so it's going to be fun to be, and I, I say that like, it's going to just be fun to be interviewed and let you have all the pressure to make the show interesting for your listeners is what I meant, so.
0: No, that's awesome, man. You're definitely an interesting guy, and we're going to dive deep in here, and uh, we're going to do our best for our listeners to really, really, you know, dive into specific topics. And like you said at the beginning, you know, fair game. And we're going to go out there and we're going to see where this conversation takes us. Can you introduce yourself for our audience that might not know who you are?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, my name's uh, Tony Blauer. I have been. Involved in training defensive tactics as martial arts self-defense for close to 40 years now and uh, been actually started teaching 1977 uh, in 1993 I was kind of brought into the law enforcement world by Gary Klugewitz uh, well-known well-known trainer uh, the man behind the red man suit and uh, he had me He was the uh, chairman of ASLET, the American Society of Law Enforcement Trainers, at the time. That organization is no longer around. But uh, we spoke for five hours at a high liability conference. And and he basically said, wow, you know, I've been involved in, he was a uh, full contact Kyu Kushinkai Karate uh um uh you know player uh, you know competed in japan plus he was you know uh, ran a jail law enforcement and i was explaining to him the way we did scenarios the way we looked at self defense the way we looked at violence and he basically said i was kind of blown away this is 1993 he says you know i've been around for like a couple of decades and i've never heard of so many of these concepts i don't know if i agree with them at all all of them, but uh, like, I need to hear more. I need to learn more. Would you come to Dallas and talk to hundreds of cops about this? That was 93. And, uh, haven't looked back since then, like working with first responders for the last, uh, uh, few decades, my background, you know, I never law enforcement never military just looked at violence very differently from a lot of people and, and have, you know, turned that into a life's passion and in, in my business.
0: Did you train any type of martial arts at all when you were younger?
1: Yeah. Um, so I didn't know this at the time uh, until uh, uh, around the same time when the UFC broke. Uh, I think it was 93 as well out of Denver, the first ultimate fighting championship. N- you know, nobody back then thought of wrestling as a combat platform. Right. And sure. now, you know, some of the best MMA guys had that original wrestling, uh, foundation. But so I wrestled at a very young age. And then 1973, when, when Bruce Lee passed away, uh, like many other people of that generation, uh, you know, totally got hooked on Bruce and, we, uh, you know, the only school open then because, it, you know, again, the, the craze hadn't kicked off was uh, one Taekwondo school that was quite far from my house. And I went there, never realizing that all my years earlier had laid down that, you know, that grappling background as far as balance, stability, and, and that, that willingness to, you know, make contact with another person. Um, so I did Taekwondo uh, religiously. I mean, I would literally, I had a Makiwara, you know, the striking sure. pad uh, under my bed, you know, so at the, <laughs> age of, at, at the age of 13, before I got out of bed to go to the bathroom and brush my teeth, you know, I'd slide that, the alarm would go off for school and I'd slide, I'd slide this like little striking pad out from under my bed and start smashing my knuckles on it. I was a total fanatic. I trained seven days a week for years.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, very much like I came up, I mean, the Bruce Lee era, I mean, I must have read, His books hundreds of times and I remember a journey playing in the background as I you know laid down in my bed 12 (laughs) 11 years old just reading absorbing because I was passionate and back then I don't know Tony if you agree with me but you know these kung fu theater movies and then you know you would yeah. have them <laughs> those are pretty cool times uh, right? they
1: were they were uh, yeah i mean there were there were actually movie theaters where people yeah. right really i don't even know we're talking about you know like but there were theaters or dedicated it was just like non-stop shaw brothers kung fu movies uh totally, yeah you know back in the day i actually uh you know speaking speaking of that um one of my closest friends was uh, bruce lee's son brandon lee and uh actually uh in the 80s uh 86 went to hong kong worked on a movie with him hung out with him out there and uh you know just I, i've had a crazy uh i was in movies for a while doing stunt work so i, I worked with uh robert conrad i spent time Very with cool. uh, uh sugary leonard when i was 20 he fought duran in montreal and, and we connected uh leonard was a uh, huge bruce lee fan yep and mm-hmm. when he um so he fought Duran. He was 23, 24. So you know, back when you're 24 and you're 20, you're kind of like the same, right? Like so, <laughs> pretty well. You much. know, uh, in terms of age and stuff. Except, sure. you know, except one guy, you know, had just won the World Boxing Council, you know, in a 15-round battle with Benitez. Or no, he lost to Benitez, but but he was. Uh, uh, um, anyhow, uh, the the point being is like like I was just blown away because of course, like my. My martial idol was, was Bruce Lee, but my the next person who did stuff like Bruce Lee in terms of timing and movement and speed was Sugar Ray Leonard oh, yeah. of that of that era, and and to be able to hang out with him, pick his brain, ask you know ask him questions about fighting and timing and distance and balance and stuff like that. But I've had uh, you know these crazy uh, you know uh, time where I, you know working with uh, working on some products with Ringside products. Uh, back in the day when they signed Tommy Morrison, who then got signed by Stallone mm-hmm. for Rocky Five, And next thing I know, I'm flying to Philadelphia to uh, keep Morrison training on his real boxing because of my relationship with John Brown, who owned Ringside at the time. So I've had this like crazy career on top of my own passion of Sugar Ray Leonard, Sylvester Stallone, uh, uh, Brandon Lee. I mean, it's just like sometimes I pinch myself and I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. So you've been been blessed,
0: no doubt about it, man. That's great. That's great. Now, the good thing that I, that I see from you is that you've taken that knowledge and you've kind of brought it to the forefront and, uh, you're out there disseminating that information to, you know, our first responders, people that feel that they need to step up and make a change in this world. And I love that about you because, you know, as you know, this podcast is about warrior minded men is developing that warrior mentality and, Uh, nowadays, you know, unfortunately there's a lot of fluff out there and there's very Mm -hmm. few and far between men that actually walk the walk. I don't know if you agree with me on that.
1: I do. I do. It's, uh, you know, um, our generation is so pussified And, and everyone is so soft and safe space and, and I shouldn't say everyone, you know, the, 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 a lot, like you, like you said, it's, it's a kind of a cultural thing and there are individuals uh, like you and other first responders and, 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 you know, there's obviously thousands of, of people out there who work out, who train, who will do what they can to protect themselves or their family. And they look at, you know, they, they look at those, those skill sets, uh, and, you know, you don't have to go back that far in time when everybody male, uh, uh female and child understood survival skills. You don't have to go back that far in time to understand that that everybody knew how to hunt and everyone understood the danger of being, you know, out on the frontier or out in the wild west and and you know in and, and uh it's been weaned out of us. We've been domesticated.
0: I agree with you 100%. What's your take on defensive tactics? I don't know if you've gotten the opportunity to work with different police departments. And I'm a, I'm a defensive tactics instructor for our police academy here. And, you know, I'm interested in getting your point of view uh, regarding what, you know, they're teaching our first responders and our officers, because I have a, a very strong opinion on that.
1: Yeah. Um, so, you know, you asked me if, if I have the opportunity to do stuff. I, I, I've been teaching full-time law enforcement, military, firefighters, EMS for decades now. And uh, uh, we're policy, my system, my research is policy in in some uh, agencies and organizations, and we work all over the world. So we've done stuff uh, with, you know, Elements within the Department of Defense, all the way to uh, the groups in Australia, United Kingdom, and 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 so on and so forth. So, I've seen everything. Uh, my system's not for everybody, uh, and so you know we've got people that love what we do. And we've got people that hate what we do. Hey, my brothers, just a quick
0: break in the action here. I want to encourage you to go watch the Warrior documentary that we created. It is very inspirational, very motivational. You're going to love it. Go check it out at forgingawarrior.com forward slash warrior film.
1: Uh, a lot of times, the people that don't like what we do, there's usually two reasons. One is they, well, maybe three reasons, they don't understand it. So they're just, you know, reacting to it because it's different. Um, some people just don't fucking understand violence. And so, you know, uh, we have a maxim in our, in our, when i'm talking at a conference a trade show a, a class online i go don't mistake the trademark for the truth careful what you practice you might get really good at the wrong thing and it's not what you believe it's what we see and by c i mean cctv evidence-based training sure. people practice all sorts of stuff this goes for the martial arts self-defense world as well you practice stuff and the litmus test isn't your demo you know right. Saturday morning you know in some in some local tournament the demo is real fucking life the demo is what do we see when you Google real violence and I got to caveat that by saying real violence isn't a consensual fight with two douchebags you know outside of a bar or or you know like a gang of people with Buck, you know yeah man a, I'm so happy smart you're
0: saying that yes you know yes. you know
1: smartphones yes. going hit and hit him that's not real violence no nope. even though It's really violent. Uh, Real violence is non, not consensual. There's no preparation, and real violence is. You look at, let's say, body cam, helmet cam, dashboard video, surveillance video of a cop being attacked. The cop is inside a reactionary gap. He's asking. He's threat discriminating. He's watching hands. He's trying to put some shit together. The bad guy is. The pressure cooker thinking, man, I got to make my move now. And he explodes like a fucking jack in the box. And what I discovered back in the uh, early 80s is that a stimulus when it gets introduced too quickly triggers a reactive bit brain response that bypasses cognition where every martial artist every dt instructor every kabaddi instructor spends most of their time practicing and it's not that what they're practicing doesn't have value it absolutely does and this is an area where 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 people misread and think i'm putting down what they're doing I, what I'm talking about is a a partial development as opposed to a total development. We need to build into our self-defense uh, uh, awareness protocols not just awareness, as in situational awareness, but the awareness of how we're designing our training because because there is a Pavlovian effect mm-hmm. that if if you practice, for example, how to do a gun disarm and you do your ten thousand hours and 10,000 reps of a gun disarm if if you fail to recognize that you also did 10,001 reps of letting somebody stick a gun in your face you then may or may not realize that you have predisposed yourself to wait for the gun to appear before you try the gun disarm at which point at which point you're emotionally psychologically impacted Reptilian brain bypasses cognitive brain, and this is what I can explain from a brain-based neuro uh, uh, neurophysiology, neuroanatomical, you know, point of view why we don't see the complex motor skills we practice in in the real world. And, and we, like as an instructor, you should be asking yourself, shit! I trained all these guys for the last two years. I'm watching all these dashboard videos. They're not getting that armbar on. They're not getting to two o'clock and doing that. What the hell's going on? It's not the armbar, And this is the thing that I want to say this one thing here and then let you jump in here. It's not that the armbar doesn't work because everything works in a fucking demo. It's that when you introduce the true emotional, psychological distractions of real violence, and then you magnify it with the fact that we live in the most pussified, litigious time of whether you're a cop or whether you're a citizen, uh, like everyone's worried about getting sued and doing the yes, wrong thing yes. and, and being on. That changes our decision-making loop.
0: Sure. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I think that for the most part, you're right. I mean, we live in a pussyfooted society, and it's also now deteriorated down to police officers. I mean, I could tell you I have fought for my life numerous times. I mean, most of my career has been in undercover narcotics. Um, I have been in positions where it's just me and a bad guy for hours at a, you know, for, excuse me, for seconds at a time that seemed like hours, you know, and the bottom line is this, man, you are 100% right. You can train all you want all day long, but if you don't have the environmental uh, elements that you incorporate into that specific situation. You don't have your psychological factors, your stress, your stressors out there. You are really missing a, a huge aspect. Now, I do agree with you also that you say, you know, it's not the arm bar that doesn't work, right? It's not the takedown that doesn't work. It's the fact that, listen, when you are in the fucking academy for whatever, six months, and then you step out there and you never train at all, ever again, and then you'd have a a yearly two or three hour session, whatever of DTS, and you expect your officers as, as an agency to be able to apply these defensive tactics, you know, perfectly. That's a bunch of shit in my book. That doesn't go. It doesn't fly. it Doesn't work well at all.
1: Yeah. No. The well, I mean, there's there's a bunch of factors. Uh, you know, one of the things that I do is uh, is you know I'll get hired as a consultant to go in and assess. You know, hey, where are we at with this? So I can look at the training and, y- you know, you've got to teach, at, let's say at an academy level, you know, you've got to teach people step one, step two, step three, you get that. But if they're not doing some uh, uh, realistic, relevant, rigorous scenario training so that they get a feel of what's it like. When somebody is resisting that arm bar, what's it like? And cause we don't do that. We know that it hurts if I'm your role player sure. and, and, and I resist too much, you know, maybe, maybe you, you, uh, sprain or, or, or break my elbow or dislocate my shoulder. So pain is the mother of invention. So suddenly mm-hmm. if we're, if we're doing drills with each other, you know, we, we cooperate and we get this false sense of, of not just a false sense of confidence and security, but a false sense of the power necessary to complete the tactic right and so you know so you, you 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 know shooting with sims or utm can give you a false sense of uh recoil management because it doesn't kick like your real gun right it doesn't sound like your real gun so if you're not going to the range like in other words like all of these things depending on your psychological makeup are uh, our, our potential distractions during real violence. So the the real thing we we talk about it in our training as the uh, be a good bad guy model, be a good bad guy. And that is what is what is the role player's goal, you know, in a violent encounter and how do we safely and scientifically replicate the real behavior of uh of the threat so that, you know, we're not injuring our 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 role players in training, but the recruit or the in-service officer who's going through the training leaves there going, wow, you know, that was, that was realistic. That's what happens in the street. Thank you for that training. You know, it's it, it kind of like, uh, uh, it's like, it's like cleaning your glasses and going, Oh shit, I didn't realize how dirty you were. You weren't looking at things clearly. There, there's a danger. You remember uh, trooper Jeter's, uh, um, when, um, you know, she got sucker punched on that, on that, uh, vehicle stop, you know and I, I looked at that as a training failure she thought that just because she had a badge and she lawfully you know arrested right, right. somebody that you know and so you got to look at a scenario and go okay this guy is clearly going to fight look how he's standing look at his posture and then recognize this is this is where I now do not let ego or pride dictate my next strategy I call for backup you know and and I stall and I wait and I take up a, an intelligent position but you can't make those decisions. And this comes back to that Pavlovian thing that if all of your training starts, like we say, hey, get to the left of the ambush, get to the left of bang, improve your perception speed, decrease reaction time. We talk like that. And then most of the training is how to get over headlock, how to stop a tackle, how to stop a punch, how to do a gun disarm. And all of that is very step one, step two, step three, uh, uh, martial art, complex motor skill. But all of that, bro, starts on the right of the ambush. Sure. If you're practicing how to defend from something, the attack has already happened. Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's hopefully uh, like a little epiphany slash light bulb moment for some of your listeners.
0: Good shit. I'm going to allude to something that uh, you mentioned earlier regarding a um, attack, a, a real violent attack, you know, these hyper violent type of attacks. I run a martial arts school here, and, and it's a combatives-oriented school. I've, I've right. been what eight years now, and we're doing very well. We have a tremendous amount of individuals in there that are warrior-minded men. However, th- the most difficult aspect that I have when someone steps in and says, "Hey, listen, I want to sign up and uh, you know learn self-defense, and I want to be able to fight another dude," you know, I want to be able to if the guy starts you know antagonizing me or touching my girlfriend's ass or some shit, I want to be able to fight. That guy. Well, what I tell him is this is not what we teach here. All right. We teach defense and we teach uh you know a defense movement against and reactionary movement and proactive movement against a hyper violent attack. There's a huge difference, and, and tell me if you agree with me here between a fucking fist fight between two dudes that are drunk, okay, over a a situation where you are either getting into a car, you get a freaking guy coming in there, smacks you across the head, takes you down to the ground, wants to, you know, take your money and then take your car, carjack you, all right? Talk to me a little bit about the differences between those two different scenarios.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we make a big distinction in our program where we say we're not teaching you how to fight, we're teaching you how to not fight. And understanding had a knot fight you know uh, uh I, I wrote a little really short blog piece years ago uh, the title was um you know the expression the uh, the pen is mightier than the sword right sure. you know so i wrote the pen is mightier than the sword when you know how to use a sword and and right. you know what i mean by that is it's it's easy to be nice until it's not to be nice to quote patrick swayze's character in the original roadhouse
0: it's easier <laughs> yeah. to be nice
1: until it's time to not sure. be nice when you know what to do when it's time to not be nice right and and uh so i think a lot of times where, where people get really emotional in a situation is because they're not really sure of the outcome they're really not sure of themselves um uh, emotionally psychologically or physically um and so you you get a little rattled and now you're getting a little emotional somebody says i want to learn how to fight we always we always reframe and say you mean defend yourself right because our the the movement our language is that our system is moral morally ethically and legally sound it's been vetted and those should be like are we teaching proper situational awareness are we teaching you know proper verbal de-escalation and are we teaching like a simple self-defense protocol that where where you can escalate and de-escalate spontaneously like you know like there's i remember you probably remember this because of your martial art background but several years ago like there was a system coming out where every single counter ended with a neck break I don't know if you. Remember
0: oh that. shit! Yeah, what was it called it was Damn, the, I forgot. Yeah, it was
1: in the all the black belt magazine. Yeah, 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 like but, yeah, yeah. But you know, but every like some guy grabs you here, break his neck. Some guy grabs right, you around, right. break his neck. Somebody's trying to kill you, break his neck. And I'm like, I'm looking at that when I stop laughing. I was like, you might have a um, kind of a a, a, a negligence <laughs> issue on some of those choices. Sure, um, sure. So, I mean, I had a guy quit my training when I used to live in Canada. Uh, and um, moved to the states in 2009 ish but I used to live in Canada and one of the things that we would always teach is with this protocol we call nonviolent postures and we teach about nine different postures that are common postures that you use and see in everyday life and so where you know you know if you're doing you know, a Japanese style karate, your fighting stance looks this way. If you're doing Wing Chun, your fighting stance looks this way. If you're doing Western boxing, you're fighting. So I said, well, I'm reverse engineering a self-defense system for the modern world. So I looked at stances of how do I stand when I'm ordering coffee at Starbucks? How do I stand when I'm leaning against a wall? How do I stand when I'm waiting at a bus stop? You know, how do I where do my hands go when I'm trying to calm somebody down? We call that that submissive posture. It Looks like you're patting the air. Uh, you know, fingers are splayed. You're outside ninety, and so so the um, the nonviolent posture concept is that it was a um, uh, it was a stance like a Trojan horse metaphor. Right. And 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 so we would say, hey, the warrior is inside, but externally, anyone looking at you just sees a wooden horse. So it was it was a, a an intelligent, effective use of body language, which is 60 percent of communication combined with a uh, moral, ethical, legal strategy. And then if a line got crossed where you your yeah. safety yeah. Where you you weren't safe, you could move. Uh, But your um, opponent, uh, the bad guy, um, would never know. Having said all that, uh, and, and the point of the story is that this guy, like I had a guy quit. I had a guy quit. Uh, you know training because he just his ego couldn't handle the fact that we had these non-violent postures he wanted to be huh. in a in a fighting stance and didn't understand that wasn't there wasn't congruent That's
0: unbelievable yeah
1: yeah but it but it's I just share this for your listeners because it's it's one of the things we, we talk about let your self-awareness is going to be skewed or manipulated by your lack of self-awareness so uh, I think I screwed that up your your situational awareness is going to be skewed or discolored by your lack of self-awareness. That if you're not self-aware that you are uh, 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 racist or biased or overconfident, um, that's going to change how you see danger and what you're going to do. So,
0: well, I want to get into a little bit here, a little bit about the mindset. All right. And I know we talk a lot about the mindset. but. How much weight do you think mindset has, you know, carries when we're talking about defending your life or the life of a loved one in a real, true hyper-violent situation? Uh,
1: well, I mean, mindset is everything. Uh, if I've I have people who, you know, we do these remote Skype calls, right, where where I you know geography prevents somebody from training with me or my team, so they'll they'll contact me and they'll they'll be like, you know, hey, you know, how do we train and, and and I suggest these Skype things and they're like hesitant first because it's like, how do you learn how to defend yourself? And I'm like, when I, when I re-explain what it is we do, I tell people like the most important skill that you can possess in life is your ability to identify and manage fear that is everything fear throttles everything we do in our life from who we talk to therefore who we marry from how much money we make to you know how much weight you lift to whether or not you protect yourself or defend yourself uh so mindset is everything um you know a a uh an interesting thing is like once the fight starts and you've engaged you don't feel fear and you're not thinking about that sort of thing so the the scary part is the build up before you know someone calls you and and uh you know, I'm, I'm sure in, in your career you've had uh, a death threat or two and, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I had some of those in my career and, and those were the scary things where you're sitting there wondering, okay, is this a prank? Is this bullshit? You're thinking about it. You're not thinking about it. Or someone says, I'm going to kick your ass and it'll be when I see you next. And you're, you're thinking about it, but the time you were jumped, and the fight just started and you just started to do your thing. You're not thinking about, oh, I wonder if I'm going to fight this guy. It's already happened. But it's your ability or or lack of ability to manage fear that creates doubt and hesitation. And so mindset's everything.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And you know, what's your take on building and kind of reinforcing and strengthening your mindset? Like from... You know, nowadays, unfortunately, we have everyone wants to have everything yesterday, right? Everything it's, you know, delivered, Federal Express delivered next day, right here, right now. I mean, mindset, in my opinion, takes time to strengthen, right? It's all about, you know, cultivating that proper mindset. So talk to me about maybe give our listeners something that they might be able to work on to strengthen that mindset.
1: Yeah, so so. I I have I have two thoughts on that. One is that, you know, the ability to decide to go now to start now is is hardwired and inherent and accessible to everybody. You know, you like it's like if I say, well, you know, I got to stop smoking or eating or I got to start working out, and people think of this as this long. Just you just fucking decide. Like and and that's that's self-discipline. And it's the same thing to me with with uh courage. Um there's there's been a a ton of scenarios in the real world where uh uh, an untrained person, you look at just what happened in Florida, you know, you have like uh untrained teachers like standing in front and shielding kids, no guns. No, no, no body armor, no training, but just go, this is the right thing to do. I mean, what type of courage does that take? They're, they're not thinking, they're not in the fear loop. They're not overthinking it there. This is the right thing to do. And so one thing I want to say to your, to your listeners is the, you don't need any preparation to decide to be courage, uh, courageous. It just, you just fucking see, and you know what the right thing to do is and you go for it. Um, I will say this though, that life now courage is like a muscle. Right. So every time you shy away from asserting yourself or shy away from working out or shy away, then you, you, you weaken the resolve and that makes it a little bit harder depending on the speed and proximity of the stimulus. In other words, yes. In other words, if I'm afraid of public speaking, okay. Um, and someone says, Hey, come give a speech. If, if. That talk is a, like a, a certain time domain away and I have enough time to overthink it. I suddenly have stage fright. I'm freaking out. You know, if someone pushes me out on stage and goes, go talk. And I'm like, oh, and I go, hey, I'm Tony. Like suddenly I'm in it and it may not be my best speech. But if I choose, if I go, you know, it's important for me to talk. And, and, and you know, public speaking being the, the, the number one fear for most people in the world. When, when, when people do, which is ridiculous. You would you would think that you know uh, getting uh, uh, knocked out and dragged to a secondary crime scene or being in an active shooter situation, you know, or you know uh, uh, would be. But over the years, that's been like sharks and and uh, you know uh, um, public speaking ridiculous. But don't get me off on that rant. But the point being, for people listening whether you're trained or untrained, and I, I suspect that, you know, a lot of people on here are from the martial art and first responder community listening to this, so this might, like, you know, might feel, what's that got to do with me? Everybody has a comfort zone. Everyone has a discomfort zone. Everyone has a holy shit zone. Comfort zone is things that, that you're comfortable with. Listen, I've been training tier one operators, uh, 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 professional full-time SWAT guys, and guys that'll kick down a door and charge towards a threat and then when uh, we do like in our instructor course we do these uh, uh teach backs around the group and they're up there going okay in in this drill they're because they're not used to teaching and their voice is sure, cracking sure. and i'm going yeah, yeah like like that person is afraid to talk about a new concept in front of their class they're dealing with all the same you know respiratory challenge or focus their voice is cracking but give them a bar- barricaded subject and they know They're what to on do. It. So, I'll, yep. so, so the you know part of the message here is, in in this, it's kind of like uh, like like this al- almost contradicting uh, contradictory, uh, contradictory uh, uh, concept is you don't need any training to be courageous. You can build courage like a muscle too by looking at at any type of stimulus that triggers a a little bit of a fear spike. Look at that and go, is this a, is this stimulus something that might happen more than once in my life? Is it something that I should get to know a little bit better? Um, and we, we talk about it, and maybe a good time to introduce, you know, one of our biggest programs are no fear uh, project and we spell no fear not no fear like the t-shirt company uh we spell it K N O W fear no fear how do i get Very to cool. no fear how do i how do i embrace this no fear mindset and basically the uh the message in this and the concept is that i if i get a fear spike about anything in life i need to look at that as a man as a woman as a whomever if you understand the principle and go Is this a potentially recurring theme or stimulus? And if it is, how will I handle it the next time? This one caught me by surprise. I didn't know, I didn't know anything about it. And if I research it and if I, and if I look at it like a, like scenario training, I recognize I can stress inoculate if I do a few good reps. And then the next time it happens, I'll see it coming. I improve my perception speed. I decrease my reaction time. And I deploy myself with a lot more confidence and confidence.
0: All right. So let's talk a little bit about how we can manage fear, how we can de-escalate fear during a hyper-violent confrontation. Now, I'm a big believer that confidence and courage... Are a big part of it. Yeah.
1: So fear, fear can be a fuel or it can be this wicked heavy weight that just immobilizes you call it emotional inertia, your body and mind's inability to move. And so um, the only way to uh, use fear as a fuel is to develop a different relationship to it. And that's why the no fear project in the program is so potent because it gets people to, to suddenly look at fear and you obviously don't want to go, well, I'm afraid of, you know, I I make this joke, you know, don't ask a skydiver for advice on how to overcome fear of heights. And, and people don't understand that because, well, you know, wouldn't he be the expert? I go, no, if he's an adrenaline junkie and he's not afraid of heights, he's not going to give you the advice that you need as somebody who's afraid of it. Most of the people that are, that are, uh, uh, like full-time professional skydivers, never had a fear of heights. You know, most of them, right? And so, it's 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 a that's why I I tell people don't mistake the trademark for the truth. Is because sometimes you get advice from some people who have a a genetic or a psychological predis- predisposition to be amazing. Right. So, you know, asking Mozart, you know, how to write music, you go, well, you know, he's a prodigy. He was like writing, writing shit when he was like seven or something, you know, his answer is going to be true, but it's true for him because he's a musical genius. Um, So what what I've tried to do is is create uh, explanations and programs and strategies and and design uh, systems that work for everybody. Uh, if you just understand it and apply it. and so the 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 process of of strengthening and being more resilient to the impact of fear happens, as I explained uh, uh, a little bit earlier, is if you recognize that that the fear spike, I mean you think of a time where um, you know you're speeding somewhere. And let's say you're you're out of town, so you're not a local cop, or one of your buddies is going to go, "Come on, man, slow down." You know, you're you're on a trip somewhere, you're speeding somewhere, you come over a hill and you see a cop car, and you know you're like you're you're driving too fast, and then you realize he was giving somebody else a ticket. What happened to your body about three seconds after that? Still got an adrenaline dump, right? Heart pounding, and you listen, think think about the fear spike that you got. You're sitting in a car with your seatbelt on driving, there's, low, like, there's no exertion, right? You weren't doing anything. In fact, you're decelerating, but your mind triggered a biochemical response that had you suddenly had to do a fine complex motor skill, you know, maybe you screwed that up depending on how hard that that hit you. So what I'm trying to explain is that that if we train ourselves to, when we identify the fear spike, we immediately initiate a breathing protocol A a visual what I call the uh, people should Google maybe you can link it in the show Mm -hmm. um, uh, Google blower cycle of behavior and there's videos and articles online Basically, it's a it's a map.
0: It's like a little flow
1: chart that shows how we go from scenario to motivation Expectation belief systems a fear loop all the way through that and if you see that as a map That's the difference between being I'm lost and panicking or I'm over here and I need to get here. And we start mobilizing the brain. It's a pretty profound, uh, uh, little, little map, uh, that basically teaches us how to look at and think under duress. And so the more you do that, whether it's a confrontation with your kid, your wife, your husband. Uh, a superior something in the news where you start to instead of being reactive you go. Oh wow look at this And this takes a lot of self-awareness, but everyone has access to this it's an organic And what I'm sharing with you is mm-hmm. like it's it's like the secret sauce man. It's okay My my physiological state just changed because of a stimulus. I need to stop and go. Why am I thinking this way? Where am I in this fear loop in the in relationship to the cycle of behavior? Um, control your state by controlling your breathing and think about what you need to learn and know for the next time this happens that's the stress inoculation and that's how when you when you say you know fear is stronger what we're talking about there is we're creating skills to look at fear getting to know fear we manage fear
0: awesome Uh, very very good some good stuff i'm going to put see if i can search it and put that link there for our listeners all right, let's talk about something that just happened recently, regarding the school shooting here in my backyard. And you know, there's there's a tremendous amount of mixed, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, you know, mixed ways of looking at it. Um, talk to me about how you feel about that situation from from the information that you've gathered so far.
1: It's 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 tricky, man. You know, I was on a on a Uh, interview a couple days ago and the question came up about the SRO and and then the other guys you know the other three officers and they didn't go in and you know and I said you know courage is contagious courage is contagious but so so is cowardice and fear and I wasn't there and I didn't talk to the guys um, but you know I, I posted some stuff on my Instagram that said, you know, you've got like like teachers and, and students shielding other students. That's moving towards the danger. If you put yourself in between some psycho with a fucking gun to protect somebody behind you, that's an untrained person with no body armor and no firearm moving towards the danger. I have no idea why those guys didn't go in. And, and uh, you know, if I were standing outside of a house... And it's funny because I I brought this up in this, I interviewed five active duty cops from all over the world, you know, to debrief this, you know, for our no fear podcast and, and ask them, you know, like, like, don't, you know, you, and everyone like, Hey, they're active duty. They're not going to like judge the guy. They're going to talk about their policy and their training and all that. But, you know, I brought up a a scenario that I ran probably 15, 20 years ago in uh, Dallas for their SWAT and, uh, I did this uh, loan operator uh, uh, house clearing drill. And when we first started it, it was, you know, a bunch of, uh, it was role players in our high gear suit and uh, sim munitions and force on force. And all of them, before we started, uh, had a problem with doing the entry solo because it wasn't their policy. and And I said, well, you know, is there a scenario in your life where you wouldn't wait for backup? And they all looked at me. I said, for example, if you knew your backup was 10, 15, 20 minutes away and there were, you know, terrorists in your house that were uh, about to start executing your family, would you go in and do something? And they were like, yeah, I go, that's your scenario. And so, you know, women and children first. And it was, in and so we you know we talked about that where it's easy to go oh you know i just read i don't know if this is true but i just i i you know, who knows what the fuck is real on the internet these days but um uh yeah, for sure that uh you know they were told not to go in because they didn't have their uh, their cameras you know body their body cams um and i'm going you don't need a fucking body cam we're not taking pictures who are you you, you don't need a camera and i'm using a little Uh, uh, a shooting metaphor here, you know, to shoot a picture, I need my fucking gun against an active shooter uh, in a perfect world. And if I don't have one, I need to charge the threat. If I'm in proximity to do something, I need to do something, but to stand outside behind a car when you're armed and you have body armor and, and there's, there's kids being shot and it sounds like I'm judging. So I want to, I want to caveat that by saying I have no idea what was going on there, but I can't imagine that if I were there, uh, uh I would like to believe that I would have, have the same courage and mindset as the two teachers that shielded the kids. And and that that's that seed of of movement of I've got to do this is the same thing y- you know you need to do if you have a chance to knock that gun away, tackle the bad guy, you know, pick up a, a, a fire extinguisher, a chair, a bunch of books, throw it at the guy so he's fucking flinching and and you create this 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 courageous attack, right? Because you start doing that, other people start doing that.
0: You know, I feel pretty strongly about the fact that you know, it, courageous you know courageous individuals uh, will step up when the shit hits the fan, and uh, you know we can go back and forth because we you know they had superior f- uh, firepower. And that you know that you know the entry wasn't made because there was a lose lose situation. Uh, I don't agree with any of that.
1: Um, I believe that. W- well, it's it's but but that's but that's what a gunfight is, and that's what what heroes do. And that was it, it was, you know, you got kids being murdered, yeah. people screaming, uh, 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 an, an insane amount of blood and chaos, um, and I don't understand how four, like if. If this was a movie, one of those guys who becomes the hero of the movie goes, "I don't give a fuck if they're telling me to stand down. I'm not fucking standing outside and and waiting. Absolutely, I just can't." Um, so I don't know. You know, I get I get the one guy, I get that without even knowing him or his situation. You know, um, every every act of valor and courage is 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 the the seed of that. The genesis of that is just doing the right thing. And, uh, you know, I posted something, I went like, do they, do these guys have body cams or not? Like you've got a, 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 a very, um, w- you know, wealthy affluent, you know, Broward. I mean, what, they have a picture with them in a Lamborghini or, or a Ferrari. I mean, like, what they, so they either have body cameras or they don't, if they do have them, how did all four not have them at the same time? What, you know, if they don't have them, why is it even a question if that was the issue? And, and so, um, and again, and it's easy. I'm not here being like, like the civilian who's judging, you know, I train police. I train SWAT. I train, you know, every time I, like a firefighter or EMS or, or, uh, 18 Delta in the army moves towards the danger to, to, uh, administer first aid, the, like they're not engaging the shooter they're going to treat. So why not even go in and rescue victims? If you're not going to, if you're going to go, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, okay, I'm not going to go get in a gunfight. He's got, he's got a long gun, you know, um, you know, even if you said that was my decision, why aren't you in there, uh, uh, you know, pulling out victims and, and, and getting, and getting tourniquets on them and, and pressure bandages and, and giving, you know, uh, commands to, to help save lives. Because as you know, in a situation like that, um, as, as horrific as the gun blast is, a lot of it is blood loss.
0: Sure. I mean, it's, um, you know, from an active shooter incident, you know, from a, from a perspective where you're looking at what's happening in front of you and, you know, there are children, you know, young kids that are getting blasted. And, you know, the bottom line is that, yeah, I mean, you you take an oath and, and, you know, there's a tremendous amount of of disagreements, you know, across both sides. You know, it's like, well, you're just going to give up your life, you know, go out there and and, and give up your life because you know you're going to lose a gunfight. Well, that's a, in my opinion, that's a fucked up mentality. You know, that's not the way that uh, warriors train. That's not the way that. Uh, we train, you know, guys in the academy. That's not at all the way. Uh, Typically it's, it's, you know, you, you have your mindset, you got obviously your, your cover and concealment, you have your tactics that you need to have applied. And, you know, like you said, at the very least, man, fucking prioritize life and then, you know, start putting tourniquets or, or do
1: something. Listen, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who's doing their, their, their training there, but, to have four guys go, like, oh, you know, this isn't, uh, you know, fucking read gates of fire. Right. You know, like, oh, there's only 300 of us. You know, we only have spears. Go, like, like, you do the right thing. And again, it sounds like I'm judging these guys, but if that's the excuse that we only had our Glocks or whatever, whatever they're carrying as their, as their firearms, um, and the other cops that showed up, they don't have rifles in their car. I don't understand. But, but, anyways, the, uh, um, the, that excuse is ridiculous because one is there. There should have been there should have been entry made to to help save kids at a medical level. If for some reason you went, oh, he's got a Gatling gun and a flamethrower and he's barricaded behind you know explosives. We need EOD and 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 SWAT. Like that wasn't the scenario. In fact, the kid walked out of the school and they picked sure. him up at Walmart, sure. which is mind boggling, right? But but the uh, um, there's a lot wrong with this. There's a lot. Uh, uh just because there's you know all of the all of the shit about the uh you know the uh not not pursuing arrests so that the school could get better funding if they had a better rating with less crime and 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 there's just all a lot of crap around that but let's if we stay focused just on on what what people need to do i mean you don't go into a fight this is let, let me sum this up by saying uh you know you've heard this cliche you don't pick the fight the fight picks you and 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 that was that was the fight and to go oh i'm not going to go in because he's got a long gun and i got a pistol that's when you're visualizing your failure as opposed to what you need to do and the thing that gets me is all research all research on uh active shooters is what the incident's over within minutes, usually three to five minutes, and they usually kill themselves. In this case, this, this asshole didn't. Um, they usually kill themselves. So, and they usually kill themselves when they're challenged. That's right. Right? They either get a major malfunction. That's right. Or they run out of ammo, and then they kill themselves. That's right. Or when they're challenged. If you know that just challenging the person, they, they, they will commit suicide, go fucking challenge them.
0: Yeah, the first second that they t- they feel rounds coming their way, they're not made for that, right? These aren't, you know, tactical trainers that they're going out there and moving from concealment to cover. They're out there hunting, right? They're hunting lives. And the second that you start peppering them with some rounds, the game changes. It's been studied, you know, a million times, so I agree with
1: you. Yeah. Sad situation, dude.
0: It is. It is. It is. All right. Um to sum it up here, what I would like to do here is if you have something in the box okay for example give us an idea of tony blauer's morning ritual right what keeps you on the edge what keeps you motivated what keeps you inspired i mean you know you're a guy that's been doing this for a long time and you know we want to know what keeps you moving
1: man it's uh um i i don't have a uh uh a routine that I stick to because I travel so much. I'm in different time zones. In the last three weeks, I was uh, teaching in Australia, then back for two days, then teaching, uh, you know, out in Virginia Beach, and then and then back. And I've got, you know, we got. Uh, I've got a, a mobile training team worldwide. So we had a uh, separate to my trip to Australia. We had another course in Australia and we just had a course in Texas and a course in uh, Sacramento. So I'm so busy doing what I love that like I'm, I'm on call 24 uh, seven. And sometimes I have 10 hours a night's sleep and sometimes I got two hours. <laughs> um, sure, sure. But uh, you know, I, my mission has been for, 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 You know, 37 years. When I was 20, I got asked by uh, by a businessman. I was teaching his kids. He said, "What do you want to do, man?" He said, "I'd taken self defense." He said, "You're doing things different. You're looking at things differently." You know, uh, how can I help you? I'm I'm a connected businessman. How can I help you? And I said, "Man, I want to make the world safer." And and uh, and he kind of looked at me and went, "Wow, like like I didn't expect that answer. How are you going to do that?" And I'm like one person at a time you know it's I've I have a idea an idea on a generic approach to self-defense where we're using physiology physics and psychology to reverse engineer an organic system this is again you know to throw this out there this isn't uh, uh, to compete with or to uh, replace the pursuit of martial arts which has amazing value and all that but that that mission that concept has stayed with me for almost four decades. And every day I get up literally going, uh, and I'm not going to be full of shit. There's days when I don't want to get out of bed, you know, uh, uh, there's, you know, after, after three decades of combat sports, you know, my neck, my back, my hips, my knees sometimes, but there's days when I'm out there working out training and there's days when I'm going, Oh man, I'd like to just stay in bed today. But my mind is sharp. And I'm, I, I, you know, like, like I said at the beginning of the show, I want, like, I, this fires me up doing your podcast, right? And I'll get off here and I'll, you know, have 10 meetings during the day and a bunch of emails. What keeps me going is that I know, uh, uh, you know, I got an email yesterday from a teacher who read one of our blog posts on the on the shooting, just thanking me for for getting her mind switched on and 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 getting her ready to think about this and to include th- this situational awareness in her life now in a different way. That shit fires me up, man. That's what that's what gets me doing helping hell people, yeah, man, hell yeah, know, uh, doing whatever I can to make people safer.
0: Awesome, awesome. All right, I'm going to ask you a question, and this is typically a question that I asked um, all my guests on this show. Tony, what is your definition of a modern-day warrior?
1: I would, uh, hmm, uh, I mean, simple is is somebody who's ready to go. Uh, The modern-day warrior, I'm not going to associate it with a specific skill set, but it's are you your own bodyguard? Are you a courageous bystander? Um, if something were happening and I wasn't there, would I want a courageous bystander to do something to help my wife and my kids? Yes. What does that look like? Um, and, and in this day and age, that would be the, the self confidence and assertiveness to be able to step in and verbally say, stop and, and, and change that scenario. The physical skills, uh, of course, uh, you know, medical skills. Um, so it's, it's a real short list as far as, as that the modern day warrior, you gotta look at at what what are our conflicts, you know, you know, uh, sure. uh, you know, in our in our city or where you live and be prepared to handle that.
0: Awesome. Awesome. All right, Tony, where can people reach you and sign up for your courses and all that good stuff?
1: So uh, our website is Blauer B-L-A-U-E-R Spear one word spears are our, our uh, self-defense protocol so it's blower spear.com and if you just google tony blower or blower spear system you'll get a you'll get a bunch of stuff you know we've got uh, of course the usual social media channels uh, i've got a, a my more my more opinionated channel is my tony blower on instagram if you're looking for our, our our training or more tactical strategic stuff it's spear.system on instagram and of course we've got all the facebook channels and twitter and all that stuff but uh you know a simple google shirt will uh will produce all that
0: awesome listen tony it has been an absolute honor man you are full of wisdom and you, you know your stuff out there for sure brother it has been i gotta tell you i've learned a lot here and i'm sure our listeners have learned a lot and we would love to have you back on soon to obviously we left so much on the table you know and uh as you know starting a podcast and and doing a podcast we try to limit it to you know about an hour or so but man i would love to get with you again brother
1: yeah let's uh let's do it if you get good feedback and some specific questions hit me up we'll do we'll do another one
0: all right tony my, my man stay safe out there and of course uh if you ever need anything we'll stay in touch all
1: right brother thank you stay safe too buddy
0: you too All right, guys, there you have it. A great conversation with Tony Blauer, right? Some great stuff on the deck right there. Make sure that you take notes and you implement it into your life and act on it. Remember, actions obviously are louder than words. So guess what? What do you need to do? Step up to that forefront and take action in your life. This is a great show. Extract what you learned from here and implement it into your life. Don't forget to give me a follow at uh, Man of War with two R's on Instagram. And check out the uh, podcast website at manofwar.live. All right, until next time, your life may be challenging and full of dangers, but never retreat. Your last battle may be your greatest victory.